Okay, we are rolling. Hello and welcome to the Chicken Echo podcast. My name is Harry. I'm coming f- <laughs> I'm coming to you from the most professional podcast studio out there. <laughs> we should send a picture of this, actually. <laughs> yeah, for the thumbnail. I'm with James. How are you doing, James? I'm very good, thank you, Harry. Um, it's a pleasure to be here in the studio with you today. Okay, let, let me just get this. Uh... Oh, here we go. Okay, we, we got the thumbnail, everyone. That's out of the way. <clears throat> so, today we want to talk about multiple income streams and how that can free you up and create a more flexible sort of lifestyle and things like that. So maybe maybe a slight um, divergence from the normal music themed podcasts uh, that, that we get on the Chicken Echo show. <laughs> we, we should have called it the Tucan Echo show. That has a better yeah. ring than the Tucan Echo podcast. But I feel like I, I want to call all sorts of things the Tucan Echo show. Like I want to call our live streams the Tucan Echo show. Yeah, maybe we should yeah. save that name for something where we're on mm. video. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're qualified to talk about multiple income streams yet. I think we're going to be quite rooted in principle and ideas today <laughs> because we don't have multiple income streams yet. But um, I think, yeah. yeah, we should roam around the topic of um, like art, um, the new job market and ideas from people like Seth Godin and James Altucher and stuff mm-hmm. um, and ways that we're looking to kind of evolve that side of things um, to accommodate music a bit more. Like okay. another, yes, another Tucan Echo Intentions podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll have some podcasts about us actually doing things. Mm. <clears throat> um, so I think this, the reason that we're interested in this area is because both James and I have found ourselves stuck in, stuck in jobs <laughs> that we're not um, particularly keen on long term. And, and we're trying to figure out a way to create a more, just, we want more time. To do two connect, we want more time mm. to do art and what we want and things like travel and um, things like that. And it turns out that being tied to a single income source isn't very flexible, <laughs> uh, and that kind of sounds obvious when you say it. Um, so there's a whole lot of um, talk and opinions out there on the on the internet around um, how to get multiple flexible income streams that are ideally remote, so online and things mm. like that. Um, so we've been, we, we, I mean, we've we've been delving into this. Um, there's there's all sorts of things you can do. You can get qualifications that enable you to teach English online, or you can um, become, or you can learn how to code, for example. Uh, you can become a graphic designer. There's there's all sorts of skills that you can do over the internet um, to create this flexible kind of working mm. pattern. I think it's a whole shift in in mindset. Um, I think we're quite as I said, we're not really like too qualified to talk about it yet because we're quite early in the in the stages of it. But um, I think that the thing I find uh, the this thing of like identity with your job, and that your your job is not just a source of income, but a, a source of like purpose and identity is quite common. Um, so the idea of having kind of multiple little jobs that, <laughs> or not maybe not little, maybe multiple big jobs. I don't know, <laughs> but multiple income streams coming in is I, I think it's the future um mm. but like we we're kind of used to our career like defining us as a as a thing yeah um, that's, that's a very old school um, way of thinking it's, it's like the, the the traditional thing was you kind of go to school to learn skills and then you sort of graduate to an apprenticeship and then you have a career as something for life and you're working for a, a, like a factory for for life or mm. like um and then uh, that kind of transition to 
office workers, which sounds different, but it is really the same sort of thing. Mm. Um, maybe it's so not quite so um, uh, rigid, but it is a similar thing. You kind of go to school and go to university to learn these skills, and then you end up as a office worker for a company, pre- preferably like a big company, and then you work there for 20 years, and then you might move to another big company, and you work there for mm. a further 20 years, and then you retire. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. It's just... That's the that's what the system's set up, but that's why schools and stuff aren't working. I'm just kind of regurgitating things from Seth Godin and James Altucher, <laughs> which maybe we should form like the bit of the basis of this conversation. But um, the, the the kind of theory is that the economy has evolved from if if you if you go back to like pre-industrial revolution, we used to be farmers, um, and then they invented um, tractors and stuff that, <laughs> that did that better than us plowing the land, and they started producing stuff for like a consumer culture. This is kind of the industrial revolution. So what they needed was people in, in factories. They needed to take people off farms and make them good at factory work. So they set up schools. This is what Seth Godin always says. is like, why do you think the schools are, are like all about conformity, all about like not challenging the teacher or asking questions? Why are all the desks in straight rows like a grid? Like th- those school, like the school system's not always been around. It was actually put in place by factory owners. Um, James also was saying also the like the idea of um, your where you live being rooted to where you work is like the <laughs> he said the white picket fence is not to keep other people out, it's to keep you in. <laughs> um, they these things are set up by factory owners to keep you near the factory because they needed the supply of, of workers. And and for a while that deal worked well. Um, for a long time that deal worked well and um, then you had like college education, so the, suddenly these big companies are um, springing up out of the, this stuff, and they need people to manage stuff. So they set up a system for people to become managers, like so they set up college and stuff for people to progress to middle management to fill what the companies needed people to be. Um, and with the rise of the internet and stuff, we've essentially moved kind of from a so that was like an industrial economy to a sort of knowledge economy. Um, and now with the internet, we've moved, at least in the words of Seth Godin, a connection economy where um, the actual skills is about doing something unique, about resonating with people, because essentially we don't need any more stuff. Like we've nailed manufacturing industry and kind of knowledge work because you don't the amount that you can store in your head or whatever is becoming less and less valuable because you can get any information at the drop of a hat. So what you actually need now is this ability to like connect people this ability to add value at, at like um y- yeah like i don't have this like artistic more this more artistic impact on people than a i can make this widget cheaper than someone else can i can uh, i don't know manage this there's is one thing managing a project and then there's another thing managing a project in the certain way that you do it or the the way that you bring people together or kind of add this like emotional work um that D- you have double to do. down on your own sort of unique um brand mm. so i think and it's really easy to sail this rather than do it because we're kind of i mean we've been in the knowledge uh, uh we've been in the knowledge economy for a long time in the connection economy probably since like 2010 or something like that when facebook mm. and stuff has been emerging um and uh i don't know that i think say like james altucher has more punchy views and seth godin on this of like you shouldn't own a home and stuff like that um but it's like it's it's been around for a little while the systems are still not set up 
for the, the systems that like all of our parents' generations and whatever have been through and think are just set in stone forever um, have not adapted as quickly as the actual economy has. And so they we're can't. seeing stuff like people being uh, Uber drivers and delivery people and, and like freelancing temporary work. Um, there's the rise of this more like flexible economy. Mm. Um, and that's actually kind of to the benefit of the companies as well. They're basically like firing people and rehiring them as like freelancers and yeah. to not have to pay all the there's, like benefits. There's definitely a sort of contentious topic around a zero hour contract. Mm. And I'm in sort of two minds because a zero, hour, a zero hour contract, you are at the mercy of a lot of companies. And some, some and I imagine that most of them um, would take advantage of employees and say, you need to be here um, on Saturday. Um, or you'll be fired mm. um, and then they can just sort of like ask you to come come in whenever you want and then sort of hold that um, being fired thing over your head the whole time so <laughs> yeah. from that perspective zero hour contracts are very unflexible yes Whereas <laughs> it's flexibility sh- they, and really strong um, they, they should quotation be, marks they, they should be to the advantage of the employee and uh, gradually we'll, I, I imagine that this will be more of a thing that um, uh, an employee will have a valuable skill to offer so they have a mm. bit more leverage um, so they can say oh yeah I'm actually busy on these days these days so I, I work um, I don't know I work Monday mornings Tuesday mornings and Friday evenings or whatever mm. um, and that's it and they can use their leverage their skill um, to kind of assert that and then get that flexible working environment because then they can work on something else on a Thursday and a Wednesday for example they can um, have these multiple things that they do um, to get a, a kind of livable income mm. and I think I mean I want to like balance some of this that like not all big companies are bad or not working for a big company or whatever or a small company or anything is bad like you do need people to do that um, but that doesn't mean it has to be you or doesn't mean you have to work for that particular company and it is a way to get yourself from from zero to something like um, it. it's hard to go from you know nothing to some experience completely on your own without someone like investing in you a bit yeah. <laughs> um when you're not exactly adding value straight from the off um so i don't yeah i don't want to go on a kind of complete like decimation that it's all wrong or whatever because to be honest we haven't like lived that and i'm conscious of us talking too much about like zero hour contracts when we haven't done too much of that and actually i think that some of the stuff of we 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 risk talking like that zero um that flexible work and something like this utopia that we should all jump into, but some people are kind of stuck in that world and maybe don't like maybe don't want to be or um, don't get treated that well even under the guise of flexibility. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to go into do that. But I just kind of want to like flag it as we're going along. <laughs> um, but and I think especially in, in COVID times, like COVID's quite a unique recession because things are affected quite disproportionately like in a normal recession pretty much everything's down until like everything comes back up like mm. exactly but but covid's had this really skewed impact because companies that were a bit more futuristic have fared better than other ones i yeah. refer to um because because circuit from Indopreneur, who's you know their music marketing company that um we subscribe to that they set, have set up their company for the future. Like they already work remotely 
they're a remote company with really lean number of employees. It's, it's literally like 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And, and like coders coming in and out. But like the actual permanent's a really small team and they manage like loads of artists. Um, but they're like lean, spread all across like the US. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really sharp on their like uh, stand-ups and systems to like be, keep people productive and getting like important tasks done. Um, and they sort of say like COVID hits and they can carry on their their business like obviously i can't imagine how something would hit and everything would have to go to the high street maybe the internet goes down <laughs> um so maybe it could have just hit in reverse and we're drawing too much conclusions from it but it's my my point was that like covid has made it has illuminated some of this stuff provide some insights on what the, the successful companies will be in the future mm. i think um it's illuminated the the kind of need this need was emerging to either have multiple income streams or look at how you might make money online as well as your uh, conventional job or whatever. Um, and you've seen that people who have been in that position before this like crisis hit have in general fared a bit better. Businesses who had a strong online presence or the ability to just go to online. I've seen it with guitar shops as well. Like some of them are doing great <laughs> and you would have thought they would have been decimated by people not going in. But the ones who have like, set up online like yeah they've got a warehouse and they can just send stuff out the next day and you can literally order a guitar and it'll come the next day um like and they have these return policies and stuff so that yeah. like people can kind of try it that way yeah um i like they've done they've sold loads <laughs> they've done sales and stuff to yeah. like in, incentivize but um or i look at tone junkie who's like uh, i've mentioned on the podcast before as a one of our podcast influences um <laughs> But he creates Kemper profiles, which are like digital guitar amp, um, like software guitar amps for it, and you can play them on a particular device. And I don't know if that's well explained, but um, you know his business is completely digital. So although like demand will probably be affected somewhat, um, delivery of that product is digital. Mm. So this is another thing I want to talk about: flexible income streams is like freelancing versus products versus whatever, and a bit of four-hour work week stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my point of that whole like circular rant is that COVID's, effect, COVID's illuminated some of this stuff of the need for flexible income streams. I think that's going to get more and not less. Um, and I think you could kind of use this time as a, a learning of go like, hmm, what would happen if I lost my job? Like, and I couldn't get another job, you know? Like, do you have anything sat there? Or is it literally I've got to work to keep my... I've got to do. I've got to do everything I can to keep my current job because I have no backup plan. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, not just backup plan. Maybe something better. Yeah. So. I think where this relates to us is, we want more time to, do Tukaneko and make music and make videos and do podcasts and do the Tukaneko show, um, and uh, in our current situation, we don't really have enough the, the, the time that we want. Um, so we're looking at other flexible income streams. I mean, do you want to go into that yet or do you want to cover off the product versus freelancing stuff first? Um, I think, well, one thing I'll cover off is just like, I didn't used to think this way until like I started to read some like informed opinions about it, if you got what I mean. It's uh, particularly with the COVID thing saying that that's illuminating, like this isn't necessarily what you're um, <coughs> taught by people like people around you in all or society whatever um i think you know you, you think i have to go to uni i have to get a job and you know in 
some cases that's the right thing, some cases that's the wrong thing, but you should like keep your mind open to what could be the best thing for you and how you like optimize your life. So I read The 4-Hour Workweek a couple of years ago, and some people really hate this book, so it's <laughs> it's a it's a punchy recommendation, but that's a good recommendation. <laughs> Everyone read The 4-Hour Workweek, it's great. <laughs> um have you you haven't read it though. <laughs> You're halfway I, I, through. Thing is, oh, <laughs> side note here. Um, because James is such a prolific reader, I tend to get a very good synopsis of all these books from James. So <laughs> Unprompted before... <laughs> spiel. <laughs> I mean, as, as, as you've just heard on, the, on this podcast alone, um, you, you set James off and he goes, which is great. Um, so I, I hear about all these books, like The 4-Hour Workweek, um, The Obstacle is Away, um, or like Lying by Sam Harrison. I get these great synopsis from James and then I absorb the book through that <laughs> through the so ether I, so i don't often read the books that we <laughs> that we talk about um i have read most of four hour work week i've read like two thirds of that yeah you've um, probably and, got and, that. Like, the, the first sort of third of that book is the real impact yeah stuff. yeah um, um but so i read that book in like 2017 2018 and it really did blow my mind mm. um and that was mostly because it was actually mostly some of the first chapters where he was like what are you actually working for like What's the reason that you, what are you using this money for or your time for is the whole premise is like you've got the only thing you can't renew is time. You can technically is maybe easy or difficult, but you can technically renew the resource of money. But the only thing you can't renew and you're running out of every day is time. Mm. So like step back and think, what do you actually want to do? Like, are there things you actually want to go and do with your life? Do you want to go travel to this place? Do you want to buy this thing? Do you want to have this experience do you want to learn this skill like actually maybe put that down on a bit of paper and then it's like lifestyle design then like try and work out how you're actually gonna Mm. structure your life around doing the things you want to do whereas we kind of i I don't know we're taught to secure as much money as possible and then work Mm. out what to do with it do you know what i mean oh just just another side note i keep interrupting but the two things that um you should look up from the four hour work week are dreamlining and fear setting. Yeah. Um, you should be able to Google like dreamlining Tim Ferriss and, and you'll find the exercise. It's such an enlightening exercise mm. to do both of those. Um, so highly recommend Google. We'll put it in the show notes as well. <laughs> I guess. But I found when you've, when you, ha- when you do the dreamlining stuff, you actually need to stick at it because your your like dreams and ideas about your life are so small. When you start, mm. <laughs> you're so, your thinking is so limited. Um, yeah. that you have to actually like push through a barrier to even start thinking, oh, maybe I could travel somewhere. Maybe I could do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole other thing putting into practice. Anyway, my point is I read that, um, I read that book and, um, it inspired me to, I, I can't say I've really like acted on loads of it since then, but it's taken me further down this path of looking for alternatives and ideas and stuff like that. And certainly it was like the precursor to us doing a more digital marketing focused approach to like music and kind of this the one of the reasons we're making this podcast probably um and have any belief that it might work (laughs) Mm. um so but the the point about digital versus physical versus whatever is um that book is orientated around like income streams that have really the minimum possible time from you with the maximum possible return and so they're like unique kind of businesses but he so we get into this thing of multiple income streams um and i think one of the big uh, things you've got to consider when you're talking about this is time. Like, are you trying to free up your time or not? Um, because you broadly, like, we're, when we're talking about multiple income streams, we're talking about freelancing, 
versus owning a business versus investing in something, these kind of areas. Um, and you do run the risk of doing something like freelancing where essentially you've just got a job, but not the same boss. You've basically got a less reliable job sometimes, you know? Um, do you have more flexibility, more power in that sense? Yeah. Ooh. Do you want to keep ranting? Rat- <laughs> I'll just I'll just go um get the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Harry's gone to get the doorbell of our flat. So picking up where we left off. Um, so multiple income streams. You can either be freelancer, you can invest in stuff, or you can sell. You can sort of run a business, like sell a product. Um, and the interesting thing that the four hour work week brings up is. Like that selling a product is something that needs less time than freelancing. Like freelancing, you're effectively paid by the hour. But if you can sell a product, particularly a digital product, that can open up you making money outside of your, uh, not per hour. It's just, Mm. it it can be way more scalable, I guess. Make money in your sleep. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people have criticized this as some sort of utopia. And it has led to a lot of people trying to sell like, bullshit online courses and stuff so there's been some downsides to it um but yes i think one thing to factor in when you talk about multiple income streams is what is um what's going to use up your time and what isn't because you could still have multiple income streams but that multiple income streams is you work in two hours or one place in the morning three hours there three hours there three hours there that's technically multiple income streams but is that a better a better solution you might be working more hours for less money and more stress you certainly got to check carefully but I, I still see it as a more um, uh, reliable in the long term way of making money because all your eggs are in different baskets. Mm. Um, so I, I just kind of come to realise that although uh, you might be less likely to lose your job in a larger company, um, uh, I do get the sense that if you do lose your job in that larger company, you are basically fucked. So... Um, it's, yeah. mu- it's much nicer to lose one of your five jobs than your job. Mm. I um, think I think the concept of loyalty needs to... I think sometimes employees are too loyal to a company where the company like just happens to be loyal to them because it benefits them. Mm. Um, it's sort of my experience. Again, it's not, it's not trying to completely decimate larger companies or anything, but mm. I think we should be willing to chop and change and change your mind and be flexible mm. rather than oh i owe this company another year of my work at yeah. a low salary or something because you don't and like what we see in terms of covid is like what's the first thing that they do they lay people up if they need to mm. um it's yeah that they're not set companies are less and less set up to be this great deal for the employee which they used to be in this kind of knowledge worker thing because they so desperately needed going back to the post-industrial revolution knowledge worker era in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, that kind of time. Yeah. Um, like, or more, maybe more like the 50s, but like when your <coughs> grandma or grandpa like got a, <laughs> a job, like that would be 70 years. The pension would be unbelievable. Mm. Like you would get treated well because they kind of, the supply and demand, they needed those people that badly. They would offer them a great deal. Mm. Um, now rise of automation, stuff like that. Like, um, like Andrew Yang in America, the presidential candidate, like caused lots of outrage saying that we'd need universal basic income. Um, but he's the only person in out of that like whole sort of spate of candidates, maybe excluding like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, at least got some ideas. But he 
actually see he's just he's just looking at data and saying we need something i know it sounds wacky i know it sounds like people are just gonna sit on their ass and get paid nothing taxpayers money but like just look at the data of automation and the speed and it's only getting quicker map people who work as truck drivers in america is still huge mm. yet autonomous trucks are already here they're just not like that they're, they're they're on the brink mm. and things are, uh, this is the book i'm reading at the moment on the future like things are exponential so they're getting quicker each <clears throat> year it's, it's not like because it's taken 10 years to get to this point it's 10 years away it's five years away or two and a half years away like Things are getting, particularly with self-driving cars. So I'm going off on a random tangent here, <laughs> but particularly with self-driving cars, because like, when when you've got ten trucks on the road driving different routes to learn roads, all ten trucks alert, or one truck is learning from the other nine. So the rate of improvement is way more than like a person driving and experiencing that one journey. Like, they're all learning from each other. All these trucks are learning from each other at the same time, doing different things. So the like the rate of um, improvement and stuff is just unreal. So yeah, we shouldn't as, as think. As they get that better, then more trucks will be added to the roads, and which only just speeds up the rate of improvement, or just gets it closer to that perfect driver. So um, go back to your point <laughs> on how this affects us and stuff, because I've gone on a few tangents, including for our work week, digital products versus physical products versus freelancing and self-driving cars and exponential change getting well, quick. I, I feel like there's one one bit that we haven't answered and we've raved a lot about digital products and how they're so great because you make money in your sleep but why would you ever want to do freelancing if digital products are so good is the open questions that I've sort of spotted because there are differences um, and I, I, I see freelancing, freelancing as an easier start mm. to uh, making a digital product because making a digital product you have to basically set up an entire business mm. um, and, and do that yourself, which is a lot of investment time-wise. Um, whereas freelancing, you can learn a skill in six months and be profiting from it mm. if you focus. Mm. Um, oh yeah, it's a definitely a, a way to start and a way to at least get more flexibility on when you do and don't work. Mm. You can pick and choose jobs and you, you can at least like move more towards what you enjoy. Um, actually, I want to get your thoughts on um, a quote I heard from uh, da Vinci, who's like a sort of thought leader in the musician space. Um, and I want to just throw this out there and get your thoughts on it. Okay. But his, he was talking about how he approached uh, making it in music or doing a music career or something. And he said at like some young age, he just decided that he's always going to do what he wants. Mm -hmm. And I've heard this from other people, like, just do what you want. Um, yeah. And like, I think about this a lot because I think my so much of my life i'd say well over 50 percent of my time is not doing what i want to do um so i'm just interested as to i want to flesh that out a little bit always do what you want i think that's it's quite powerful um because in doing what you want um i, I feel like the passion um is, is always there so if you do what you want all the time whatever you're doing you're 100 percent passionate about that thing mm. and benefits of that are increased focus and productivity and better learning uh, while you're mm. doing that thing. So in theory, if you want to be, um, I don't know, if, if, if all you want to do is build great chairs <laughs> <laughs> and you just spend all your time doing that um, and you absolutely love it, um, you will 
without fail, become a good chairmaker because mm. you know that's what you want to do. Mm. And you'll be invested in it 100% all the time. So it feels like it, when you're looking at the end goal only, mm. it feels like the best thing to do mm. because there's no doubt that you will get to that end goal of being a good chairmaker. Um, the kind of tricky bit, which I think requires sort of a bit more nuance, is that middle bit. Because obviously mm. right now, if I was that person who wanted to make good chairs, and I started right now, I would have um, no income for a good chunk of time. It'd be a mess. It would be, <laughs> yeah, it would be a disaster. It'd be wood chips all over the, all over the flat. So there is, I mean, there's definitely a bit of, um, you'd have to make it a bit more nuanced than that, I think. But the overarching principle um, makes complete sense to me. Mm. Um, I've, I've always found that the stuff that I like doing is the stuff that I just seem to progress faster in and mm. things like that. So, for example, I, I do a lot of the designs for Tuken Echo and like the album art and things like that. And I enjoy doing it. And I found that I'm getting better each time at mm. quite a rate. Um, and other things that I sort of try to pick up and learn um, in my um, kind of day job, I, I find the uptake of those skills is much slower um, mm. because I'm not as committed and passionate about the things that I'm doing. Mm. Um, so I like it. I like that quote. Mm. Um, and to expand on always do what you want, he mean he means it's, it's sort of like a net of all the small things you want. Mm -hmm. So he's like, what, one way people try and uh, knock it down is goes like, oh, but I just want to eat biscuits all the time, and, but I also want to be fit. And so he goes, well, what do you want more out of those? Mm. And then what do, what nets out as then what you want? Like, you've got to like dig below the surface and keep following that like decision tree of, do yeah. I want this more than this? More than this? More than this? Yeah. Um, and he also talks about lots of people check themselves rather than checking in with themselves. I know this sounds like a load of hokey sort of bullshit because it's just like phrases and words trying to find some profound. But I actually think the thinking behind it is really clever. Um, but he says like a lot of people check themselves as in they, they kind of doubt what they, they, they almost doubt and attack like what they want. Um, whereas you should be actually checking in with yourself that you're following what you want to do. So you're, you're kind of, it's more friendly. It's like mm. checking in. By the way, like given where I am, given given that I'm gifted this new moment with all the stuff that I did before, and a blank slate going forward, what do I want to do now? And like, mm. yeah, you just re really like check in with yourself, going, oh, do I still want to do this? Do I still still want to go down this path? What do I? Where do I want to go? What do I want? Yeah. Rather than checking yourself of going of with like self doubt or like, oh, I can't really want that or. I'll, I'll never achieve that or whatever. Um, so I found uh, that stuff really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't feel that I do what I want that much of the time. Yeah. But maybe that's why you have limited progress. Maybe that's why you end up on these slightly like, divergent paths of where you think you want to go and where you're actually going. Mm. It's interesting. I feel like there's um, micro and macro applications. And the macro side is making sure you're on the right path um which is super important and the micro stuff is like do i want that biscuit um <laughs> what's my path <laughs> yeah it's like hang on does this biscuit set me on that path and i think uh, i think that you should have the biscuit sometimes mm. i've heard it described as votes like you cast a vote 
for mm. a different future. Yeah. So ultimately, you need to cast more votes for one future than the other, but it doesn't mean that like you can't slip up sometimes. Yeah, I feel like it ties into overall happiness and well well being. Just just well being. Forget forget happiness. I don't like I don't like to use happiness, but overall like well being and fulfillment mm. because you get a huge amount of fulfillment from knowing you're on the right path. But also, if you, the difficulty is going back to the biscuit analogy, if you always like deprive <laughs> yourself of that biscuit, you're generally moment to moment going to be less happy. Mm. Um, so there is a balance there. Mm. And the votes idea is quite nice because you, um, it allows um, you to have that biscuit. Mm. Um, as long as you cast more votes for something else. Yeah, but, you, but you sh- I, 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 I don't like that either because that just says, oh yeah, I'll have this biscuit, but I'll run for 20 more miles tomorrow. Um, I don't like that outlook either because that leads to misery. Um, does it? I think it does, yeah. Because if, if you constantly are calculating things like that, I mean, I've used food as an example, but if, if you're calculating that, I don't like the idea that a biscuit is bad and a run is good. Because a biscuit is good because it tastes delicious, but a run is good as well. Yeah, but lots of biscuits are a bad outcome. Yeah, but lots of running is a bad outcome too. Not as bad as lots of biscuits. Yeah, well, it depends what scale you have on. But yeah. a lot of people damage themselves from doing too much running. I think more people <laughs> damage themselves from lots of biscuits. <laughs> but it goes the other way. Is, is what yeah, I'm it can go the other way. But so I'd say that's I, I don't less l- common. No, but I... I don't like weighing up things as like I don't like saying biscuits is totally bad. Yeah, but it's not something. Lots of biscuits. Not is bad. Yeah, Some biscuits is good. That's the point of it. Yeah, is is saying that like you need to have some control over it, but you don't need to be like draconian. Mm. But you need to make sure that you've got that. It's all about that balance. It's all about where am I net ending up? Because yeah. you can have as you can have as many, uh, theoretically, you can have as many biscuits as you want as long as you net end up where, like, healthy or where you want to go. Yeah. You can have, <laughs> if, if that's the outcome, then that's fine. But if you say, oh, I don't want to demonise biscuits, so I'm going to eat 50, and then you end up in hospital. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean, yeah, that would be bad. And that's certainly a potential outcome. But if you don't want to demonise, you, you don't want to demonise some biscuits, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think we've got into a really co- serious conversation about the pros and cons of biscuit. I really want a biscuit now, haven't I? I have a packet of biscuits in the cupboard. <laughs> You're just trying to defend that you bought those biscuits. <laughs> maybe I have. Maybe this is the circle. I bought some biscuits yesterday. <laughs> we were in the supermarket yesterday buying like some uh, dinner food. I made a delicious curry. Oh, it was good. Um, and <laughs> Harry bought these uh, dark chocolate digestives back and just like... These are my worst enemy, or something. To These that are my effect. greatest weakness. Yeah, greatest said. weakness. That's it. It's even better. I don't, because I don't see you as that weaker, weak-willed a person, particularly with food and you chomping down your sardines and stuff. Yeah. Well, there is a meaty topic here that is probably not right for this podcast, <laughs> but I, I, for my, I, I want to dive into it more at some point. I don't know enough about it yet, but there's a, there's a, there's, there's an important topic here. On just food. Food is the place where it's most um, prevalent because um, it sort of ties in <laughs> with eating disorders and stuff, mm. uh, which are horrible. Mm. Um, but it's not for this podcast. All right, multiple income streams. <laughs> <laughs>
Damn it. The bi- biscuit segment. It's all right. This podcast can roam. That's the point of it. Um, I feel like we got serious. And yeah. Now, now it feels kind of light-hearted to jump back to... Should we have a coffee review? Because we just had a coffee. Yeah, we had a nice decaf. I finished it now. I can't really remember it. But it was nice. Coffee review. I'd rate that coffee... Probably a one out of zero. <laughs> one out of one. Oh, yeah. Uh, we should update the podcast. Because one sounds harsh. Mm. But um, me and Harry have a binary rating system. <laughs> Either things are good or bad. <laughs> it, it makes you decisive. It does <laughs> think, make you decisive. You know, um, and the only sort of theory we've spat out of it so far is that dogs are a permanent one. I've, yeah. I mean, maybe I haven't seen any dogs having a hard time, so maybe I've, I'm just sheltered from the realities. But most dogs, I, I'll say generally, most dogs are at a one most yeah. of the time. Apart from dogs particularly, in particularly in parks. Yes. Because <laughs> do- <laughs> dogs are just like, this is the best day ever. This is my favourite thing. Dogs always do what they want. <laughs> yeah, dogs, dogs don't mess around. <laughs> Although actually they're kind of obedient as well. So maybe depends <clears throat> if they want want to do that. Anyway, let's not get stuck in dogs. HW's covered dogs really well <laughs> yeah. on the Tone Junkie podcast. I'd recommend that. <laughs> when he um, talks about dogs not having enough independence. <laughs> in a future where they go and get their own food from the shop. <laughs> Um, anyway, multiple income streams. So, um, I think we kind of move towards the end of the podcast with like what we're planning to do and how it fits in with music and our like our ideas on it. I don't know if we necessarily lay down a big commitment of by the next podcast we've set up this, this, and this, but I think it like in thinking of how this might like add value to someone is like mm. just our our thoughts on a, our thoughts on it, because um, we're not doing this from a perspective of a YouTube thing trying to sell a course or. Mm. Here is the definitive way that you make money online, or you see loads of that where yeah. people have set up something and tell you this is the only way to do it. Yeah. I think we should share our early stages of kind of fumbling around in this area. So the, I think I think the way that we've looked at it are how we can leverage the skills we already have. Um, so what that means from my perspective, um, I. I, I, I like um, logic and logic problems and stuff. And I've decided to learn to code because that's a very logic-oriented kind of skill. And um, because I like doing it, I've picked it up quite quickly mm. um, or relative to the amount of time I've put into it. Um, so that's how I've used one of my sort of strengths to create a skill that is useful. Um, another one is um, something that we're sort of thinking about that might or might not may, may or may not happen is uh, kind of digital marketing things so mm. we've learned a lot with chicken echo about how to um, digitally market a brand um so there's a potential thing that we could do there to use those skills as a freelancer mm. um i really like the idea which i've said to you before of like using a an income stream mm. as a reinforcing thing so not having it to kind of just be a job or just be an income stream and then I mean you could use it to free up time in that way but mm. the ideal balance would be to have something that develops skills that are like you really enjoy or that you're you've got a thing in mind for if you get what I mean mm. um, so you know particularly like starting to do some more digital marketing and stuff like we're using that for Tukaneka which is kind of the the center of this whole thing and like we've really enjoyed learning about it and stuff so we could start making money from it and learning more about it while making money from it that would yeah. be really good 
um, you know, but ultimately it's also about adding value to the people who are paying you. So yeah. uh, it's not just about you learning, you know. Um, so I'm I'm interested in ideas around that. We're thinking about like how we might start promoting other people's music or mm-hmm. helping other people produce music because we've done a, so much of that for ourselves over quite a long period of time. Like I think even though we won't be the foremost experts in any of those things, I think we could help people yeah. who know less than us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one way of looking at it, and I think that's we, that's something we're kicking around ideas on, but it's how you balance that against the time of your own stuff. Um, you know, it's how it's probably quite hard to set up your own digital marketing business and takes all your time. <coughs> Yet we well, can't. Simply getting your time. Yeah. Um, and then other stuff is just moving, just ha- for the first time having income from a flexible freelancing source mm. which is what we're, we're digging into so i'm having a look into teaching english as a foreign language as our podcast fan james mm-hmm. um did for did for quite a bit um yeah. and it's like a completely alien world to me of just kind of per hour being able to, i've never really had a job like that so yeah i i, I think um teaching in english as a foreign language abbreviated to tefl <laughs> is um a, a really good one. I think quite a lot of people do. It's quite a popular one for people who want to travel while working, particularly around um, Southeast Asia, because sort of a lot of the people you teach will be in China. Um, mm. So it kind of lines up with the time zones if you want to travel uh, that kind of area of the world. Um, but you can also do it in Spain, and you can do it um, in loads of other countries. Um, mm. um, that one's really interesting. Um, but then tutoring generally as well. So you can be a math tutor, a science tutor. Um, there isn't as far as I'm aware, as much of an established processing course that you take mm. for it, but I think it's also a very viable option. Mm. I um, suppose that's usually more specific around like tutoring for an exam most of the time. Yeah, for so in the UK. Hence it's not more established because people are on particular like exam boards and schemes and have quite particular needs, whereas teaching English the foreign language you're usually teaching like younger kids who just want to learn English and mm. that the goal is more similar than <coughs> you know English is more uniform than sort of physics or something like that. Uh, oh, we, we, we had this discussion the other night. I think it's easier because when you're teaching for an exam, you've got a syllabus there mm. in front of you, which is just a few bullet points on topics. And that's, I feel like that's easier as a tutor going into things because you can um, quickly learn those topics and you don't need to know anything else. I mean, mm. it obviously helps to know some stuff around the edges, but you're being hired to get someone to pass the exam. But mm. teaching t- someone to teach English feels quite... Um, vacuous to me because mm. there's so many nuances of the topics we can cover there. Um, it's, I mean, I haven't looked into this, so this is just me talking <laughs> through speculation. Um, but I, d- I don't know where I'd start. And we had this discussion with um, like teaching an instrument as well. I, d- I don't know where I'd ta- start teaching someone to play drums. Um, mm. But that's, um, I guess, if you take the TEFL course, then that will provide some instruction there as well. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of we're starting on this this road of we kind of identified that we want more time for Tukaneko. Um, you know, you've got to put the things that you're most passionate about or most interested in and like learning the most from. I've, I'm not going to lie, like it's the thing that I've gained the most skills and energy and stuff <coughs> from in the last few years. And I know hobbies aren't necessarily supposed to be that, but this isn't really a hobby anymore. Yeah. Um, 
so you've got to free up time for that. You've got to kind of put it center of your map. Um, so starting to look at like how we fill in the gaps around it in terms of like making it, giving it more room. Um, and so that is looking at how you can create income on the side. Um, and to be honest, I think we should roll the dice in 10, 20 different things mm. with some of them landed. I don't think we should go in thinking that one of them is going to work. We should think that lots of them aren't good, like 90% of them aren't going to work. Hence, yeah. we need to do more. Um, I think we've got lots of ideas, but it's that age old thing of turning ideas into reality. Mm. Okay. With that, um, hit me up if you want a website building uh, <laughs> or some album art designs and, and also visit tkneko.com to sign up to our jam experience in December. <laughs> hit me up if you want some mixing <laughs> or some digital marketing. Uh, yeah, I, I do um, session drumming. Uh, let me know. <laughs> I do. Uh, am I good enough guitar player to do session guitar player? Yeah, of course. Hopefully. Um, you know, production. Yeah, digital marketing. Um, Beatles consultancy. <laughs> just, just knowledge. <laughs> Beatles dictionary, ignore Google, it's too slow. <laughs> Maths cheatering. <laughs> exactly, there's all these things we yeah. can we can bring to the surface. We've got them. Um, cool. Well, hopefully that was valuable. Um, thank you for listening to the Two Connect podcast. Um, we will see you soon. See you later. Bye.